Hello, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Teresa Greco, happiness coach, speaker, author, editor, writer, educator, and spiritual guide. On the Happy Hour is where you will learn about the principles and practices that lead to true inner happiness, which is unwavering, in abundance, and is not dependent on you buying, earning, achieving, searching, or doing anything to be happy. You just need to make time to tune into the happiness that you are. On the show, my guests and I explore the latest physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being practices, and together we'll advise you on the actionable steps you can take toward a happier, more fulfilled, authentic life. On today's show, we're going to be discussing what it means to live a fantastic life. If you've been watching the show, then you know I believe happiness is our essential nature, our original nature. The infinite and eternal essence that we are is love, peace, and happiness. Yet the world can lead us away by having us feel a whole host of unpleasant emotions such as anger, frustration, envy, and shame. But is it okay to feel these unpleasant emotions? Absolutely. Part of our soul's human experience is to feel other emotions that we don't usually feel when we are solely unconditional love and bliss. We want to allow ourselves to feel the emotion freely and then allow it to dissipate when it feels right to do so from the heart without having the mind perpetuate the emotion by replaying the events in our mind. What's important to remember is that we don't unpack our bags and stay in those unpleasant emotions, but instead take the steps that we know help us to return to the happiness we are. So how do we live a fantastic life in a world that requires us to realign ourselves with our true nature every day? Let me introduce my guest. He's a TEDx speaker, an award-winning and best-selling author, coach, and consultant. Dr. L, hello, and welcome to the show. I am so glad to be here. And if you know my story, I'm happy to be anywhere. Well, we're going to find out a little bit about your story now, because that is my first question for you. If you could share a little bit about your health journey with us that basically led you to want to help individuals who are looking to get past their own difficulties. You know, my journey started in 2003 when I was walking with my wife, Lucy, and my youngest daughter in Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. Now, how can it be that this journey through hell starts in the happiest place? But, you know, I was walking along and my wife turned to me and she said, what's wrong with you, hon? And I said, what do you mean what's wrong with me? She said, listen to your foot, it's flappy. And I said, that is the funniest thing you've ever said, dear. How can you say my foot is flappy? And she said, well, listen to it. Well, my right foot had suddenly and mysteriously developed a right foot drop. And with that, it was slapping on the pavement with each step that I was taking. 
So my wife was right. And then she said, did you have a stroke? And I said, dear, you're a doctor. I'm a doctor. Of course I didn't have a stroke. There's no way I had a stroke. She said, well, when you get back, you better get this checked out. <laughs> well, when your wife says that in that tone of voice, what do you do? Now, did you, did you, you didn't feel like you were walking abnormally when that was happening? No, no, it seemed normal to me, but obviously, you know, when you're doing, when you're having something like that, sometimes somebody has to tell you something's wrong. And that's what happened in this situation. So then what happened? Well, you know, when my wife told me to get it checked out, of course I listened to, you know, you always have to listen to your wife when she's telling something like that. So what I did next is I went to see doctors and of being a doctor, I knew a lot of doctors. So I went to friends that were doctors and they were befuddled. They didn't know what to say or do. They said, geez, this is bizarre. And then I went to more doctors. And then I went to more doctors. And I went to more doctors. And they couldn't find anything wrong. And you know what a doctor does when he can't find anything wrong? I don't. Well, they do more tests and more tests and more tests. You see, doctors are there to find out what's wrong. So they keep looking for the answer. So I had brain scans. I had cat scans. I even had scan scans. I think the doctors even invented tests that didn't exist back then to figure out what was wrong. And, you know, at the end of the day, they still felt there was nothing wrong. So here I had a dropped right foot. So they got together as a group and they sent me to a world leading neurologist. Now a neurologist is the brain guy. He's the guy with all the answers to these problems. So I went to see him and I walked in and I said, hi. He said, hi back. I said, well, uh, what do you think's wrong? He said, well, you better be sitting down when I tell you this. I said, why? He said, you don't have a dropped right foot. You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Now, this is a chronic neurological disease, but you're going to be dead in six months. Get your affairs in order. And I said, what? How can you tell me I'm going to be dead? I've got a dropped right foot. Is there a way to prove this diagnosis? He said, of course, an autopsy. So I said, I'm not going to die to prove you wrong. So I left his office. I slammed the door. I went to my car and I cried for an hour. You know, somehow I made my way home. And my wife was there and I said, this is my diagnosis. And she said, I don't believe it. But you know, when you go through this, Teresa, you go through the phases of death and dying that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote in her book on death and dying. You go through anger. You're angry at the world. 
I could bite the head off nails and I was angry at everybody and everything. Uh, you go through bargaining. Oh God, please don't let this happen. I'll do anything if I, if you don't let this happen. But I thought God wasn't listening back then. You go through denial. Oh, there's nothing wrong. I just have a dropped right foot. Mm -hmm. But I had a dropped right foot. And then my right arm became problematic. And I was a right-handed surgeon. So that became a problem. But you know, I was smart and I was adaptable and I was ambidextrous. So I learned to be a left-handed surgeon. Now that posed its own difficulties because back then they didn't have the tools for left-handed doctors. You had to invent them yourself. So I'd go to the machine shop at the hospital and get these tools made for me. But then you go through bouts of depression. Teresa, have you ever been depressed? I believe the low point of my life, um, I was close to it, but I, I was never like I was diagnosed or, or on medication, but well, wait, wait, I probably when was. When you're depressed, truly depressed, you can't eat, you can't sleep. You stare up at the ceiling at the middle of the night and you you just can't do anything and and you in the morning comes you don't want to get out of bed because why you're going to die anyhow now i wasn't going to die of als you know i've seen people die of als it's a terrible disease eventually you stop breathing and your secretions you can't even clear them so literally your body goes against you so I had a plan to kill myself. But before I did that, I went to my wife and said, dear, what do I have? She said, you're smart. You'll figure it out. I said, dear, I've seen every doctor I know of. How can I figure it out? And she said, well, perhaps you haven't seen the right doctor yet. Well, that started me on another journey. You see, back in the early 2000s, something new was invented. You might have heard about it, Teresa. It's called the internet. You ever hear of that thing? <laughs> uh, how can we live without it in this day and age? I mean, it's all power. But back then, there was no Dr. Google. There was no Dr. Yahoo. You couldn't put your problem in a search engine and a bunch of things would pop up. You had to go with dial-on connections and use a primitive language like DOS to get to the other side. And then you'd have to have people help you navigate the other side because it was so complex and so primitive. Well, my friends found a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado, that had a disease very similar to mine, Dr. David Martz. And David had a disease like mine, but he got worse much more rapidly. And he was on his deathbed. Within weeks of his diagnosis, he couldn't lift his head from a pillow. Now, he was a very loved doctor. So doctors were coming to see him from around the world to say goodbye. And a doctor came up from Texas, a Dr. Harvey, and he looked up and he said, Dr. Martz, I do not believe you have ALS. David whispered and said, what do I have? Dr. Harvey said, I think you have chronic Lyme's disease. Chronic Lyme's disease is the bite of a tick, which causes a chronic neurological illness that mimics ALS. 
And he said, if I'm right, I can start you on treatment and make you better. And he started him on treatment and a miracle did happen. Within two weeks, he was like Lazarus arising from the dead wow. and he could do everything he could do before. So I knew I had to get in touch with this doctor. So I phoned every hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where David lived. And I got in touch with him at the Methodist hospital. And we talked for hours and he said, can you come down and see me? I said, sure. When? He said, right now. Well, it was our Thanksgiving day in Canada. And my wife had invited 30 people over. He said, I said, I can't come. We have all these people coming. He said, aren't there any planes in Canada? <laughs> he wasn't going to take that as a feeble excuse. So I went to my wife, my hat in my hand. And I apologized. I said, dear, I'm not going to be here for Thanksgiving. He said, why? I said, well, there's a doctor in Colorado Springs that claims he can help me. She said, what are you waiting for? I'll pack your bags for you. I'll drive you to the airport. Come on, you're wasting time. <laughs> So I got to Colorado and, you know, the first flight was from Edmonton to Denver, a wonderful flight, two and a half hours long. Then from Denver to Colorado Springs, you get on a rinky dink puddle jumper. Have you ever been on a rinky dink puddle jumper? Perhaps. Yeah. Well, this flight is particularly bad because it's the end of the day and the winds are coming off the desert, which is causing turbulence. So your plane will be flying along and it'll drop a hundred feet without warning. Then it'll fly another hundred feet and drop again, 200 feet. And it kept on doing this, like the drop of doom at Disneyland over and over and over again. And everybody who crawled off that plane after a 15 minute flight was green. And I crawled off and there was David Martz on the tarmac to meet me. You see, this was, before all the stipulations and rules came on because of 9-11. He was a well-known doctor. I was a well-known doctor. And so he drove up and he said, Dr. Leica, you don't look too good. I said, I don't feel too good. And he said, you know, it's probably a metaphor for what's going on in your life. And so we went and we talked for hours and he said, I think history is repeating itself. So he started me on treatment, and that's why I'm here today, doing things well, functioning well. But you know, when you go through something like this, your life changes. You can adapt, you can become hard and miserable, or you can adapt a life of kindness and goodness. And that's what I did. I decided to give back. And one of the things I gave back was to sponsor an event called Women of Distinction by the YWCNA. Because what uh, was going on there was I thought, you know, as it does now, that women are not getting the respect and kudos that they really deserve. So I really decided to help them. And Every year we put on this big gala and an amazing lady by the name of Harriet Tinka applied for the award. Now she applied for the award, not to win the award. She applied it to meet me and we had coffee and she said, we need to write about our stories. And Harry's story was similar to mine, but quite different. 
she was a world leading model walking the catwalks of New York and Milan and everything like that. And she grew tired and she decided to take up her second love, which was accounting. Now, what that meant was uh, she went to the University of Calgary and she was befriended by a person that was a psychic. And that person ended up kidnapping her, stabbing her, and leaving her. Now, she made it to the hospital in Calgary, but she was beside herself. You know, she didn't know what to do. And the little girl by the name of Amber came up and talked to her and said, Harriet, you know, my story is that I lost both of my parents in a car accident. I'm paralyzed from my waist down. But she said, I'm going to do something with myself. She said, Harriet, you need to do that too. And so Harriet decided to approach me about writing a book. And we wrote The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And it's an international best-selling book. And it really changes things for up there. That led to my podcast, the How to Live a Fantastic Life, which is 7 million listeners a month. And the world is, what I'm trying to do now is make the world a happier place. I retired from medicine in 2019, but by no means am I retired. I'm probably busier now than ever. Amazing, amazing. Well, Thank goodness that you were able to find that doctor through the internet that basically saved your life. So that's amazing. And then led to you knowing more about what it means to live a fantastic life. And so that's what I would love to get more into on today's show is to first really get your understanding of what it means to live a fantastic life and then leading us into the tools that we need in order to be successful um, in doing that. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with us, first, what let's, does let's it mean? It. First of all, living a fantastic life starts with an attitude and a mind shift. It requires people to understand that it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. Now, that was written by a sophist over 2,000 years ago. But that, just as it was then, is very, very much the fact today. That was written by a, a sophist by the name of Epitides, who was a Greek slave that became a free man. Now, again, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. So you can take every event and make a mountain out of a molehill with it, but you shouldn't do that. You really need to understand that the world is a magic, wonderful place if you look at it that way. You see, every day I start my day with gratitude. I write down three things I'm grateful for today. And every day I end my day with gratitude about three things that happened to me today. And that really changes my perspective on things. Now, in every day, there's a little bit of rain that falls. There's a little bit of hardship that comes in. But that doesn't matter if you have the right attitude and the right things that go 
on in your life. If you do these things, you will overcome those little hardships and hazards without any big deal. They become little things that you look at. And, you know, if you have a happy attitude and your child is sick, that is not a devastating thing. You use it as something that goes on in the day. You know, yesterday, uh, my grandson woke up with a bit of a pink eye, so he couldn't go to daycare. So my wife said, well, I'm not doing too much today. And I said, well, I'll make some time in my schedule so that I can have some time to help him with it. So during the middle of the day, I was playing peekaboo with him. I was reading books to him. I was doing things to him to help him get on. Now, he's only one year of age, but, you know, he's doing those things like starting to walk and doing all those things. And yesterday, he said grandpa for the first time. Oh, so wow. Not, little <laughs> things that you've got to be happy about and cherish in your day because beautiful. they're very magical and very beautiful. Yes, yes, I agree. I, for me, happiness is like the sun that the sun is always there, it's always shining, but sometimes the clouds move in front. And it doesn't mean that the sun isn't there, the sun is always there, but it means what are we going to do? What steps can we take to remove the clouds or what's blocking the sun so that the clouds don't need to stay there longer than, than they need to, that we can come back to that place of sunshine, which is our happiness, the innate and essential, part of us that's always there, happiness and happiness and abundance, but knowing that we can get back to that place when we're ready to, to deal with those clouds that are blocking and, it. And sometimes you have to go and seek out the sun because you had to go to a week in Mexico to seek out the sun through our winter and I <laughs> to go to seek out the sun during my winter. And, and sometimes you have to seek it out. But the answer is when you do, it becomes even more magical. Yes, that's true. That's true. So that is the secret to living a fantastic life. It's that, that quote that you shared. Absolutely. I, th I think that really conceptualizes and doing it, but I think you can even go further than that. You know, it's not only, it's, you see in that quote, it's just talking about activity. And so it says, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. I think we can take that quote and say, it's not what happens to you. It's how you look at things that happen. It's how you appear to those things that happen. It's how you open your eyes and put on your rose colored glasses and see the world in a happy, delightful way. So if you look at things in the magical way that's there, that is how you change the world to your own thing. You don't just react to it. You see it in a totally different way. Now, is there then this inherent belief that that the sun is always there or that the, the our earthly experience is a magical one? Um, I believe that we're spiritual beings having a human experience and that we've come here to earth to be in 3D form, to have the experience that this, that we can't have is energy, but when we come into physical 
form, we can now have this very different energetic experience because now we have senses and our senses allow us to translate energy that's vibrating at different frequencies. So we can now see things, we can now hear things that taste things, feel things, that it's a very different experience. So when you realize that life on earth is so precious, that we are only here for a small amount of time, that the infinite eternal part of us, once it, once this body is no longer here and we go off to wherever we're going to go off to, is that understanding how precious this time is. And that it is so much about like what you, about what you said is knowing that it's time sensitive, um, that it's precious and that I think it is, I think it is miraculous, but it's like this inherent knowing that that's how it is. Although on the surface, it appears that there's a lot of bad things going on <laughs> that, that can produce a lot of challenge and hardship and pain. Exactly. I, I think uh, the happiness is something that we engender. And I think that all life is vibration. And I think we vibrate at a different frequency when we're happy than when we're not. Absolutely. And that's, and that's where knowing the tools and the steps that can help to elevate our energetic vibration so that we do feel and and that practice of gratitude is one of those ways that we can do that that feeling appreciation in gratitude when you really feel that that's not just words it's really feeling into that that is where our energetic frequency elevates itself same thing when we're feeling love and joy and peace and all the good feeling emotions are all things that help to elevate our energy yeah and i think that's very true and i think a lot of people have to realize that and move forward towards that they need to 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 do that not as you're going to ask is how do we do that well, the answer is with baby steps. You've got to take baby steps each and every day. And I find one of the things we always overdo with our lives is we try to do too much in a day. So if you can, first of all, limit the things you're doing to three things, that makes a lot of difference. You know, if you just have three little things you want to accomplish every day, that makes a world of a difference instead of trying to do 10 or 15 or 20 things. That way you're always hitting your head against a brick wall and never seeming to get there. You know, I, I think limiting those things in our life and then at the end of those things, you're successful rather than not successful. And I think one of the biggest things we're always striving to do is work for tomorrow or work for the next day or do the things there. But if you put these little baby steps in along the way, I, I, I think those are the important things mm -hmm. that, that come out with that. And mm -hmm. uh, those are things that matter. And Yeah, I agree. And I think the three things are feasible, right? That even if you are in the, in a dark place, and you don't feel like getting up and, and 
doing anything that if you could say to yourself, I'm going to do three things. And those three things could be getting out of bed, brushing your teeth and maybe having something to eat. And then if there's anything on top of it, it's all like a bonus. Absolutely. And I once heard this quote from another guest that who was in the military and he said, and then I heard another speaker talk about it too, but where they said that is one of the reasons why they get the uh, soldiers to make their bed first thing in the morning is that right first thing they've already accomplished one task of the day and yeah. doing that little thing now makes you and makes you feel successful to then say okay well if i could make my bed what else can i do today yeah and and when you make a military bed you have to do it in such standards it's crazy you have to make it so you can bounce a quarter off that bed so it's got to be done in such a way that it's, it's not only that, it's miraculous that they do it to such standard, especially when they're chronically tired and everything else. So Alan, what other things do we need to do, do you think, to, well, to be I, successful? I think the first thing you need to do is have an attitude of enthusiasm. You need to be enthusiastic about everything as well. And I'm going to use a little story there to tell you a little bit about enthusiasm. There was Fred and he was a carpenter and Fred was tired. After 40 years of working in the same job, he couldn't do it anymore. He literally could not do things like he used to do. So he went to his boss and he went and told his boss, I'm quitting. I just can't do this anymore. His boss was taken aback because he said, Fred, you've built every house we've ever built in our, in our company. He said, before you go, could you build just one more house? And Fred said, of course, I've loved it here. This has been a place I love to be in and I'll do anything for you. But you know, his heart wasn't in it. He'd drag his butt to work every day. He'd put in the hours, but instead of doing miraculous work, he was doing average work. And at the end of the day, a miracle happened. The house passed inspection. So he went to the boss again, gave the keys to him, and said, boss, I'm done. The boss said, hold it, Fred. We're going to have a little party here. So they popped the champagne. They had the caviar. They had everybody in the office together. So the boss said, everybody, this is Fred's last day. It's going to be a sad day in my life, but I'm very happy for Fred. And he said, Fred, I've got a very special present for you. Here's the keys to the last house you ever built. Ah. Can you picture what that house would have been like if Fred had put his usual enthusiasm into it. Mm -hmm. You see, we never know what every day holds, but if you come at it with enthusiasm, you come at it with a situation that I'm going to win. You're going to come at it with the belief you're going to make that day really important. That enthusiasm drives the day. That enthusiasm makes it happen. That enthusiasm makes it an, a marvelous, wonderful day. And that's what you have to do each and every day of your life. 
is be enthusiastic about it. When you wake up in the morning and those sun rays greet you, you should look at it as a number, another opportunity to make another fantastic day going on. You should look at it as an invite from Mother Universe telling us, you have another day to get all those things right that you didn't get right yesterday. You have another day to do that. And nobody knows that more than me, who almost died in 2003. No one knows that more than me because of that. And that's why I still do all these things. This is why I give back all the time. And this is why I try to make it a better place for everybody I know in my life. Mm -hmm. It is really so much just about the small things. As you said, this, this, the sun is shining outside. My, I have coffee to make. Coffee is like, oh, what a the highlights of my morning I wake like even when I go to bed I said oh I can't wait to have my coffee tomorrow morning because that morning that first cup of coffee for me is and I only drink uh coffee tea and water I don't drink other things um so my coffee in the morning is like oh and I wait for that and then I'm like as soon as I, I wake up I'm like I have a glass of water and then I'm like oh let me go get my coffee and I and I am so mindful and present and savoring my coffee that I, it just fills me with so much joy, right? And it's just, just a cup of coffee, but it's, it is like when you're really savoring the moment, that is when you, you feel into everything, right? So um, positive psychology very much talks about savoring as a practice that if we do everything, savoring it, then even when that, then when we're reminiscing later, which is also an element of that, but doing it because we're thinking about things from the past, but also in the present moment and really like enjoying it and replaying it and feeling all the good feelings and, and having all the good thoughts about it, it heightens our mood and helps us to feel happier. And so imagine if we went through so many parts of our day savoring the, the the breakfast we're eating or the lunch, like I will not eat um, with distractions. I won't be on my phone or looking at TV. I'm there totally mindful and present, enjoying what I'm eating. If I'm distracted, I'm, I actually get mad after because then I was like, I did not enjoy that food the way that I wanted to because I didn't enjoy the crunch or the flavors or, or whatever it was that I was eating was going to be able to, to have me enjoy. Um, and so if we were able just to look at all the little things, like the fact that your car has gas in it and you're able to just go in, start it and get to work. My computer that starts when I need it to. My Zoom that opens because sometimes it's glitchy. It, it, it happens to work. There's no problems with it. The clean water that we get to drink. Like it's, it, it is, we take a lot of things for granted, but if you were to really appreciate and focus on all the small things that that, elevates your mood and helps to build some of that enthusiasm. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's very important to build on the enthusiasm and the good things in your life. You know, we're all here because our mothers, our fathers showed us love. So I think we should show that love back and it's tiny things we could do to show the love. 
So if I go through a drive through and pick up a coffee at Tim Hortons, which is a Canadian coffee shop, I buy coffee for the next person in line anonymously. Mm. You know, something little that you can do that makes all the difference in the world for you, for them. Can you picture them getting that free coffee and how much they would love to share that? And most of the time they buy the free coffee for the next person in line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? The pay it forward, right? Now, if you're in the grocery line, why don't you spend a few minutes and talk to the grocery clerk? You know, they are the most under respected people in the world. Make their day a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And what about at talking to a waiter or a waitress in a restaurant? Can you picture how they are underrepresented and underloved? You know, people are so demanding and requesting so much of them. You should really make that a very special part of their day as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. Now, Ellen, uh, we only have a little bit more time. So is there one more uh, tool that you can share with us? You know, I have a remarkable tool that I put together 13 things that people can use in their daily lives. You see, the Swedish word for happiness is licky, L-Y-K-K-E. So I put together the Lucky Factor, which is an infographic for people, and they can take that and use it in their daily lives to make their lives better. That's the T-H-E-L-Y-A-K-E Factor, F-A-C-T-O-R.com. And that will make your day. Use that as a blueprint so that it can make your day even better. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, Alan, if people would like to find out more about you and, and connect with you after the show, how can they do that? The best way to do that is uh, go to my website. Uh, there's a couple of ways to do that, but I've tried to make it simpler for people. And the best way to do that is www doctor, that's D-R-L-A-L -L dot live, Dr. L live, www Dr. L live. And when you get there, it gives you the opportunity to sign up for my golden pearls. And these are golden pearls of wisdom that come to your mailbox each and every week. So please sign up for them because I'm also going to be giving some amazing things to people in the next year. And those that are in my inner circle are going to get them first. So be part of my inner circle. And that way I can share some of these amazing things that are coming with you even sooner. Thank you so much for that as well. I want to, I want to thank you. I could just say thank you, thank you, because as I said, I practiced gratitude all day long. I you want know, to say thank you again. Go ahead. 
Uh, you know, and I'd like to thank you as well, because I think this is a magical show. And I think anybody that listens to your show is going to get such amazing knowledge and amazing feelings. But they're going to take away so much that they're going to make their days better. They're going to make their days more fantastic. They're going to make their days happier. And this is what we want to achieve. Yes. And so that's why I wanted to say thank you so much for sharing what it means to live a fantastic life and some of the ways that we can achieve that and be successful at doing that. Thank you. You're welcome. And again, thank you for having me as a guest on your show. It was truly an honor and a privilege. I'd like to leave you with the thought for the day. On today's show, we discussed what it means to live a fantastic life. I believe it's important for us to define for ourselves what living a fantastic life means for us. This requires that we take time to reflect on our desires. What would make your life fantastic? A fancy car, purse, shoes, a big house, lots of money, expensive vacations? Once you've thought about your desires, the next step is to really ask yourself why you desire these things. Is it because society told you you need these things to have a happy and fantastic life? Or is it because you believe having these things will make people love, accept, and respect you more? What is at the very core of these desires? Is it to feel more free, more confident, more empowered, and in charge of your life? Taking time to really analyze your desires, goals, and aspirations will allow you to figure out what exactly you're seeking to fulfill you and why. I invite you to check out my services on my website at teresagreco.ca for more information about my coaching, workshops, and motivational speaking opportunities. You can connect with me through my website, also on my Instagram page at teresagreco underscore steps to happiness or my Facebook page steps to happiness with Teresa Greco. Thank you for joining me on the happy hour. Keep smiling and be happy.